Jonathan Weir. I'm in for Spike O'Neill. Thank you so much for joining me. It's, uh, I said this earlier, but I'm going to keep saying it. It is an absolute dream come true to be sitting here hosting a show on Cairo. It is, um, or I mean, honestly, just to be on the air in uh, Seattle because I grew up a big dork and worshipped Fraser Crane. And that's all I wanted to be. But I wasn't smart enough to be a psychiatrist. I'm just dumb enough to be in radio in 2023. Uh, hey, Matt, can I ask you something? Tell, tell me if this is an insensitive question. Uh, I just heard the CBS News report about xylazine. Yeah. The, the, the horse tranquilizer that people are mixing with opioids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with how tragic that is. It's it's awful that people are doing that. And addiction is obviously a plague in this country. And it's it's horrible. And uh, hopefully these people get the treatment and help that they need. Why are there so many horse tranquilizers? You know I, I mean? don't know because because I keep hearing stories all the time about horse tranquilizers. It's like the only animal that we ascribe the term like we're all supposed to immediately know what. Oh, that that must be a tough tranquilizer. They give it to horses, right? I guess it's just one of those things that signifies it's something that can knock out something heavy. Well, that's what I'm saying. I would like, I would take it more seriously if they said it was a bull tranquilizer, you know, like because a horse I, I've seen some horses go nuts. Sure. But uh, typically pretty docile. A bull will go nuts if it sees the color red. Those are the ones that need the tranquilizers. But you never hear any other animal like a, as a ratio to how strong the tranquilizer is. There's no monkey tranquilizer. There's there, there is the hippopotamus tranquilizer. Lemur tranquilizer. It's always horses. I'm just saying. Never rhino tranquilizer. Right. Shoot them directly, right in the ice, steal their horn for an aphrodisiac. <laughs> I'm not encouraging that. I'm just saying <laughs> if you're going to do it, you need a tranquilizer. And you don't want to miss because who wants to deal with an angry Ooh. rhino? It's like shooting the devil in the back. That's right. Um, speaking of animals. How much would you pay to know that you are the heart and soul of Seattle baseball, to be able to go to games, to be on the field, hang around beautiful women with strange clothing-based weaponry? I'm talking about T-shirt guns. (laughs) How much would you expect to be paid to wear a giant foam outfit in the summer when it could be in triple digits, to dance like a drunken idiot in front of drunken idiots, and to never get credit because no one can ever see your face or you'd ruin so many childhoods. And also due to policy not being allowed to drink on the job. I, that's exactly right. I don't even know how you, you would have to you'd have to pull the mask up to do it. Unless you could like sneak some kind of I don't know, like apparatus of straws through the mask. Ask that question because that is two distinct and separate descriptions of the same job. There is a job posting. On Indeed.com, for the Seattle area, you can look at it right now if you just go to Indeed.com and search for Seasonal Mascot Performer. The job was posted by the Seattle Mariners Baseball Club. Currently, this job pays $30 an hour. The primary objective, as they described, is act as an ambassador of the club 
while performing for fans at Mariners home games, community events, and other club obligations. The mascot performer is responsible for engaging and entertaining fans while representing the Seattle Mariners. A great personality, reliability, and excellent physical shape are a must. We're seeking an animated person who can provide high energy to be the character each game at the Electric Factory. Um, Okay. That is the job description. I think what I said earlier is a better job description, but it in no way sums up the incredible pressure of being a mascot. I can't believe they're only... By the way, originally when this was posted, I saw it uh, last week, it was only $20 an hour to be the mascot. And again, this is part-time seasonal. It's not like you're making a living off of this. But you do have to give up a lot of your life to do it. And risk heat stroke. So that means that they posted it for 20 right? And there were plenty of people who were like, yeah, I wouldn't do that for $20. This is, for some people, they think this would be a dream job. Like, if you're the marriage, probably like, oh, we probably post this for 10 But probably legally we can't. Uh, we post it for 20 That's the bare minimum we can. And... Uh, we're going to have lots of takers. Nobody wanted it. So now that's at 30. Maybe it'll be 40. I think it should be 100. I think it should be $100 an hour. Plus, because there's is... a. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, too, you have to have prior mascot experience to do right, this you job. You can't just. You, it's the big leagues. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be credentialed to do this job, which means it should be paying more. That's That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It should be, yeah. You have to come in with your your uh, your mascot pedigree. You, like you 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 can't just go from like the the farm leagues or something like that to the big leagues. They don't let baseball players do that. They don't let mascots do that. That's a great point. Um, it's a lot of pressure being a mascot. St. Louis Cardinals, obviously the baseball team there. The mascot for the St. Louis Cardinals is a dude named Fred Bird, and he he's just what is what he is. He's just a Cardinal. He's just walking around, you know. It's by the way. Can I just say it's a little weird that the Mariners mascot is a moose? I mean, I get it because it's the Pacific Northwest and there's the moose and everything, but I, I just don't think of of moose as seafaring. <laughs> you know, I don't think I don't think I've ever seen a, a moose operating a boat. What would have been just, your choice for a Mariners mascot? Would you have chosen an actual Mariner dressed up in his uh, regalia from the olden days of sailing? God no, because. Uh, people mascots are the worst, right? Like in Boston, they got Patriot Pat. That guy's creepy. Or in uh, Pittsburgh, they have the Steeler Sam, I think is his name. Yeah. Creepy. No, no, no. You can't have a person. But you can at least have like, I don't know, like a duck, <laughs> you know, like something, <laughs> like in a little sailor outfit. I don't know. Um, When I was a kid, I was really excited. My mom took me to McDonald's because Fred Bird was going to be at McDonald's. Fred Bird, the mascot for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I was so excited. And we go to McDonald's. I'm like five years old. And we wait there. And we wait there. And we wait there. Fred Bird is late. We're about to leave. And Fred Bird shows up. And it's not just me that was sitting there waiting for him. It was me and like 12 other kids. He shows up and we just mob him. We run up. Fred Bird, Fred Bird, oh my God. Ah! Run up to him. And he's great. The guy is delightful. I mean, he can't talk, which is kind of what's creepy about mascots let's be honest it, though it might be creepier if they did talk like hey kids go sit down i'll be with you in a second <laughs> and he's in a big foam outfit that would be a little weird a little bit but you know he's 
he's awesome. He's doing little dances and stuff like that. Well, Fred Bird did this thing that they don't do anymore, but he did this thing where he would beak children. And what that meant was he would bend over and envelop your head in his big foam beak. So he, you would basically go inside of his mouth, and then your parents would take a picture, and it was the 80s, so this was fine. He did it to a bunch of the other kids. I came up to him last, and I go up. My mom is, like, ready to take the picture. Fred Bird bends over to beak me, and when he does, the dude inside of the Fred Bird costume goes, <laughs> on my head, in my face, all over the top of my body. <laughs> I contracted avian flu. <laughs> I got bird flu from Fred Bird. It, and by the way, Fred Bird was definitely a smoker. I'm just going to say that right now. Uh, but yeah, he had, he, had, he, was, he had a little bit of lung butter and it uh, came out. It came out right on top of my head. And it, that's what I'm saying. $30 an hour is not enough to be Mariner Moose, like Indeed.com or the Mariners think that you should. It needs to be more than that because that destroyed my childhood. You should be paid more for that kind of pressure to hold in a cough or, you you know, ruin a kid's childhood. When I was a little bit older, so about 10 years later, I was 15 years old and I was working at a frozen custard place in Belleville, Illinois, the town I grew up in. And uh, I was terrible at my job. I only had it because the people who worked at the frozen custard stand were really hot girls. And I thought if I worked there, then somehow, um, I don't know, we would be coworkers. And then some, somehow I would just be dating them. Like I had no game except for, I was like, if we're, if I'm in the proximity of these girls, somehow something good might happen. It never did. And in fact, something more humiliating than just being rejected happened. Um, they were like, you are terrible at your job, but we don't want to fire you. You're a nice kid. So, we have this outfit in the back. It's called Petey the Penguin. <laughs> we want you to put Petey the Penguin on. And yes, yes, we know it's 105 degrees outside in August. But put on the Petey the Penguin outfit, go outside, and dance for the people. And again, I was fine with the humiliation of this and thought, well, maybe if I do this, somehow girls will like me. That's m most of the reason any teenage boy does something stupid. That's the thought behind it. Well, maybe if I do this, girls will like me. So I did. I went and I put the Petey the Penguin outfit on. And three of my friends, because, by the way, this place was across the school from the high school, three of my friends who were on the wrestling team came over and saw me, didn't know it was me in the costume, and kicked me down a hill. <laughs> This was not the dream gig. It was not, uh, but I'm telling you right now, it the humiliation I suffered was not worth thirty dollars an hour. I wasn't getting paid. I was probably getting five seventy five. So, what is your price per hour for humiliation? For humiliation, well, let me check what my last paycheck was, and I uh, I'll get back to you. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a tough job being a mascot. It's not fair to the people 
who want to do this job if you're like, oh, we're going to lowball you. Here's a little game I want to play with you, Matt. It's called Indeed Price is Right. Okay? All right. So Mariner Moose is $30 an hour to be Mariner Moose. Again, seems low. Seems like a mistake, but whatever. I'm going to give you a job, uh, the title of a job, and I'll even, if you need me to, I can read the primary duties. And then you tell me how much you think that person makes a year. Okay? All right. Pretty simple. First one, veterinary acupuncturist. So this is somebody who, when you're... When your uh, your chinchilla is really stressed out, you take it to the veterinary acupuncturist, and they just jam needles into it until it stops being so stressed out. <laughs> I don't see any possible ways that could go wrong. Can't backfire at all. Um, if you want the description, it says acupuncture can be used to treat animals just as it is used to heal humans. As a veterinary acupuncturist, you would use a non-surgical and non-drug approach to treat an animal. You would use needles, tools, and techniques such as massages, blood-moving approaches. (laughs) You know what your problem is? You're stressed out. I'm just going to move your blood around a little bit. How do you like that? (laughs) Frequency approaches and polarity devices. The job requires you to have training and certification in acupuncture. A love for animals is also important for succeeding in the role. I disagree. I think that if your job is to stab animals with tiny needles, I think you should not love animals. You should actually probably hate them. Um, okay, so how much do you think a veterinary acupuncturist makes Matt? Okay, so we were talking the other day about how people are willing to spend crazy amounts of money on their pets. It's a big yes. indulgence, especially here in Seattle. So mm-hmm. I'm actually going to guess that this is kind of a boutique service kind of thing, and they probably make pretty good money. So I'm going to guess 60 k 60k. You know what? I'm going to give it to you. You went you, you got it without going over $69,000 a year. Wow. And it's one of those jobs that if somebody's a, re- a little bit too into it, you're like, "Oh. He's a serial killer. I get it." Okay. <laughs> All right. That's what that's what's going on there. All right. Uh next one, sticking in the animal realm, a hippotherapist. A now, hippo-therapist. I'm not going to read you the description. I want you to guess what a hippotherapist is. Oh. I know what the name suggested is, but that couldn't possibly be what the job is. You're, you're, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it's a guy who, like... Right, he's a hippopotamus a specialist. <laughs> but I'm certain that is not the case, so I'm going to need some like, description there. Well, it all started when my mother overturned a boat filled with... A bunch of tourists and ate them all in front of me, and she didn't share any with me, Doc. Um, a hippotherapist is not somebody who specializes in treating the psychological ails of hippopotamuses. It's a job that combines therapy with riding horses. It's a type of therapy used for both children and adults. So basically, if you're the kind of person who's like, you know, uh, I like the idea of spending a bunch of money going to psychiatrists, but darn it. It's just not extravagant enough. I wish I was on a horse while the doctor was helping me. This is the person for you. Okay, so once again, we're dealing with uh, something that's rather exclusive and caters to people with large sums of money. Yes. yes, So I'm going to guess $92,000 a year. $92,000 a year. (laughs) 
You went over. It's only $74,000 a year. I find that alarmingly low because, first of all, you have to be a psychiatrist. And then on top of that, you have to have access to horses. I just can't imagine that's the right price. Maybe maybe your um, malpractice insurance is, is really high. Maybe that's the problem. So that's like after the malpractice insurance, you know, after your patients get kicked in the head by a horse. Right. And it's, Rather high. Them. Might care. I mean, that, that sounds like an old school sitcom way to, to fix people. Uh, all right. Coming up, we're going to actually I'm going to play some more Indeed Prices Right with Matt. Awesome. For instance, how much would a master marijuana extractor, how much would they make a year? Tell you that after Tori Amos sings some smells like teen spirit here on Cairo Nights. Jonathan Weir and for Spike O'Neill. In for Spike O'Neill. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy Wednesday, everybody. <clears throat> Matt, I just looked it up. Uh, I know this is a dumb thing to be hung up on, but I, I'm still on on the horse tranquilizer thing that I mentioned earlier. Um, you know what the number one bull tranquilizer is? If you need to tranquilize a bull? No. Xylazine. Xylazine. Ah. The exact same thing that they're talking about in the story that... They're calling a horse tranquilizer. Why don't they call it bull tranquilizer? I don't know. I mean, doesn't that make... I mean, I'm sorry. I don't need to impact. write anybody's words, news words copy for them or anything like that. Yeah, I'm just saying that has a much more significant impact. A bull tranquilizer. Like a horse hat? I don't know. I think it's like a little pony. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. Uh, speaking of tranquilizing, so we were doing a little bit called Indeed Price is Right. I give you a weird job. And then, Matt, you have to guess how much that job makes per year. You're one for uh, two right now. You've got one right, one wrong. Here's your next job. Master marijuana extractor. Ooh. So here's what that is. A master marijuana extractor is a position where you process marijuana to produce edibles, oils, concentrates, and other marijuana products. You do need a degree in a related field no pun intended, to acquire this job. But once you have one, you can start earning a considerable salary right out of college. How much hmm. does a master marijuana extractor, a bud tender probably is another way to call it? I'm going to guess 65. 65, you are way over. Way over. Only $49,202 per year. Hmm. Given the like profits that of that industry, it seems low, especially you know, if you have to funny. be degreed. Uh, with knowing most stoners, uh, they would have been fine if you made the number exactly like four, four, zero, zero, zero. Well, actually, it, well, wouldn't it <laughs> have to end in 420, man? though? It would like for the extra bonus points, you'd have to end it in 420. So it would be and yes, $420. You know, it, 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 can I say this, though? Uh, I mean, I know I can. I don't know why I asked that question. Um, it seems like the 420 thing's over, right? Well, now we're just getting stoned around the clock. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's 24-7, baby. Uh, Washington State, you guys did a lot to kind of end that. Thank you so much. I, I was so happy when marijuana was legalized, and I say that as somebody who cannot smoke marijuana because of my anxiety issues, 
it, it, it just makes me even crazier. Um, I was so happy when it was legalized just so stoners would shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last one. Last one for Indeed Price is Right. I'm going to give you a job title. You tell me how much that job pays a year. Online dating ghostwriter. Ooh. Here's the primary duties of an online dating ghostwriter. An online dating ghostwriter writes profiles for people on dating websites. This is a job if you have the writing skills to create witty dating profiles. You might do this job as a freelancer from anywhere in the world by looking for clients yourself, or you might work directly with popular dating sites. I feel like most people are ghostwriters for themselves. Mm-hmm. If they're writing their own profile, because you know you're full of crap, right? That's not that's not really. It is definitely a creative writing exercise to fill out a dating profile. Yeah, a dating profile or or even a resume, even a resume. Like, oh yeah, I um, I help sick children in uh, in China um, because you know I uh, one one time I I, I, I gave uh, some money to a waiter at a Chinese restaurant and I'm sure he saved them shared them with his children so that's the same thing that's the same thing uh have you ever filled out an online dating profile ages ago and I was not ages. good at it I was yeah. not good at all I, little thing about me I've been with uh, my wife since we were 16 years old only woman I've ever dated uh, 16 years old I just dug my hooks into her and refused to let go so I have no idea what I even, I'd even put down. I I don't even know what I put down. I would actually need this. I would need the ghostwriter because like my thing would be. I basically went into a time machine at 16 years old, and if my wife, God forbid, ever left me, I would just be like me now. You know what I mean? I would just be like, oh, okay. I'm still 16 year old. I have the dating skills of a 16 year old. I guess I would write down I like boobs. Those are good. Your relationship you success is very atypical for the line of work that you're in. It, it she is a saint. Like it's, I'm pretty sure the Catholic Church is uh, following her very closely for canonization. All right. Anyway, online dating ghostwriter. How much would they get paid a year? You think? I'm going to guess forty two thousand four hundred and twenty dollars. Wrong. Fifty four thousand two hundred five. You make 54 G's as an online dating ghostwriter. Huh. Not bad yeah. at all. Yeah. But you know what? I don't think you could be that good at that job because if you're an online dating ghostwriter, then you could be able to ghostwrite your own resume a little better and get a better job. I'm just saying. <laughs> you should be able to do that. Good point. You should be able, you should be able to do that. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's talk about this real quick. What are eight things that an average American does? I like I like playing the guessing game with you, Matt. That's uh, that's an easy way for me to to keep engagement going. So, how many slices of pizza does the average American eat a year? One hundred and twenty-five. Forty-six. Because people, Matt, are liars. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that the average American in this survey actually eats 46 slices of pizza a year. I would maybe say in six months. Your number was much more accurate. Because uh, that's only, what? Let's do the math. 46 or That's 46 is only four slices a month. Or, or Yeah, right? That That doesn't even sound realistic to me. 
I, I, I couldn't even cut down my pizza afternoon. habit to, to four slices a month. I'll polish that off on the way home from Little Caesars. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and 75% said they eat less pizza than that. Sure you do. Uh, all right. How many books does the average American say they read a year? And by the way, I just realized this is a fun exercise in seeing how many people are freaking liars. All right. So how many books does the average American say they read a year? 20. See, you're, you're over-guessing because you're like, oh, they're lying. Yes, I'm thinking is... that they're lying about this because they want to appear smart. Just like everybody it's... listens to NPR for hours a day. Do they like NPR listening to NPR? <laughs> you're listening to that right now. The average American say they, says they read 12 to 13 books a year. Nah. No. Nah. Nobody no. I know. No. Nobody. Well, it depends on what you mean by reading. Because I can see maybe if you add in audiobooks, then that number might be closer to 10. But there's no way it's 12 to 13. Yeah. Most people I talk to haven't read a news story. Probably don't even read that many you know, articles a year. To come up to 12, you'd only have to read a book a month, and most people I know don't. Yeah. Um, all right. How many times does the average American use the bathroom a day? Three. Seven. Seven. Seven times a day. Really? Are you people okay? Are you going to be all right? Maybe they need some acupuncture for that. (laughs) Maybe that's what they're doing. They're going to get the needles out. (laughs) All right. uh, We'll have more Cairo Nights. Jonathan Weir in for Spike O'Neill. Coming up. O'Neill. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us and sticking with it tonight. Though it's a weird voice coming at you, unfamiliar. I get it. I get it. Um, so, Matt, I want to do a little thing here <clears throat> called Agree, Disagree. I am uh, going to just read a shower thought. It's from Reddit. They just have this uh, little subreddit where people post what they think are clever things. And then we'll talk about whether or not these things are agreeable or disagreeable, whether these things are true or not. Okay? All right. So here's the first one. Chat in a Bart says, 99% of what your body does, it does itself. Your body actually trusts you with very little. Agree. I agree. And I got to tell you, that's actually a pretty satisfying shower thought. For somebody who has control issues like I do, because it's kind of a nice idea to think, yeah, my body's just going to do what it does. I can't, I mean, I could try to influence it positively as best I can, but for the most part, I'm just a, a ghost in the machine here. I'm just a passenger in a shell, right? 
Yes, there is something comforting to that idea that there's only so much you can do, so you don't need to obsess about it too much. That is a comfort. Yeah, like, I uh, I found this weird spot on my tongue <laughs> on uh, Monday of last week. I had a full-on meltdown. Full-on meltdown. It was like this little red spot on my tongue. Mm-hmm. And you know what I did? I looked up. What does a red spot on your tongue mean? That is you know never a good idea. You know what it means, Matt? You know what it means, don't you? You're going to die. Oh, slowly and painfully. Yeah. With my tongue like bifurcated in half and, and removed, and I, I wouldn't be able to do radio anymore or even podcasting, and I, I'd have to learn sign language. And I was, the, I was convinced of this. My body cleared it up. It, it's all gone. It's fine. It was, it was nothing. All right, uh, next one. Agree or disagree? This is a really good one. Movies based on video games are finally starting to get good because the people who grew up playing them are old enough to be directing, writing, and acting in them. Agree or disagree? Disagree. I disagree, too. Uh, I don't know what your reasons are, but here's mine. It's not that movies... It's, I'm sorry. It's not that uh, movies are got, uh, based on video games have gotten better because of the people growing up, blah, blah, blah. blah. It's because video games got better. Because video games have a plot. When they tried to make the Mario Brothers movie, Mario was just a plumber jumping around on mushrooms trying to save a princess from a dragon. There's not much plot there. You but can like, see that any day of the week in Seattle. <laughs> Except for it's it, it, the, the sky's too blue. Uh, so it's always gray and cloudy in Seattle from what I understand. Um, but yeah, it's um, The Last of Us on HBO. It's a great show. It's based on the plot of the video game. So that's why I disagree. Why do you disagree? I disagree because I'm cynical of things that are adaptations of other things in general. So I don't think that necessarily that things that are adapted for the big screen from a video game are going to be much better at any point in human history, regardless of who's making the movie. So that's just my jaded cynicism. Wow. So you're like, if it existed in one medium, it can't exist in another medium? I'm saying it can exist, but it's more difficult. So the bar is really high to adapt something that was a great video game into an actually good movie. What about a book to a movie? <sighs> really? Like, you don't think, like, The Green Mile, Stephen King? The- no, I, well, it's great, but I'm saying I don't think it's easy. I don't think it's commonly oh. done. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying it's rarely done. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, next one. Agree or disagree? Every person born in 1999 is in a race to be the last human alive born in the 20th century. Disagree. Well, no, I I don't actually – I think that that's just a fact. I don't know that they consider it a race, but, you know, at at some point, it it could be in the 2100s. We don't know. It it actually would have to be. I'm sure people born in – some people born in 1999 will live to be over 100 years. But who thinks One about of them that? will be the last person to be born in the 19th century. Well, I, I, I thought this question assumed, or this, this statement assumed, that people were consciously thinking about it. Not that it's okay. just something that would happen. I don't think most you people are going the, to think about that. You don't think there's that. somebody like, oh, I can't. I looked up who was born the same day as me. Yes. <laughs> not, I don't think anyone I'm obsesses over that. all the broccoli. <laughs> I'm exercising every day just so Joseph Gusterson doesn't have the last laugh. <laughs> I get it. All right. All right. 
Uh, this is, uh, that's, that was a statement. There we go. That was, um, it, to all the Joseph Gustafsons out there, I, I apologize sincerely. I hope you don't die anytime soon. We are going to talk coming up about a bunch of news stories. We've been pretty news light the last hour. It's time to talk about UFOs. It's time to talk about AI. It's time to talk about school lunches. Um, and what is your capacity for forgiveness? Could you forgive somebody who tried to kill you? talking about that. It's about 13 minutes. Kyra Knights, Jonathan Weir, and for Spike O'Neill.